life starts to pile up, things start to happen, circumstances, doubts, and shortly, you like, I mean, you mentioned even half a day, uh, maybe it's a couple of weeks, maybe it's a couple of months. Maybe you found that as the years have gone on, it's just sort of uh, dwindled in terms of how centered you are as, as somebody that believes the things that God has said about you. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Season 2 of Adventure Parenting with Grace. Can you believe that we've been at this for over a year? I've been working all summer, and I'm kicking off the new season with some really strong interviews. We'll be talking to some super great people about things like our identity in Christ, the Christian approach to sports, and trust, to name a few. As a reminder, this podcast is part of Kids Strength for Life. If you look at the logo, you'll see a triangle with three sides. Kids Strength for Life focuses on three C's as we guide parents. They are Christ identity, character, and communication. I believe the most important one is Christ identity because it will inform how we carry out the other two as well as the rest of our lives. I'm really glad you're here because today we are beginning a series with Matt Larson about our Christ identity and how we lead our children in that identity. I think this is the best description of our identity in Christ that I have ever heard. He talks about where it comes from and what it means for us now and what it means for us forever. Listen to all three in the series. You won't be disappointed. There are so many meaningless places to find identity in our culture. So let's go in and listen now to what it means to have the fullness of a Christ identity. Matt Larson has joined us today, and we are so thankful to have Matt here. He is a pastor. He is a father of five. He's got five wonderful kids, and he and his wife, Kristen, are just such good models of parenting. And for that, I am very grateful that we can have somebody that actually models parenting really well and does it in a biblical perspective. So we're talking about Christ identity, and there's so much conflict within ourselves about what should our identity be? But we as believers have a very unique and very special and wonderful identity. And that's what I would like for Matt to talk about today, if you are willing to talk about that. Love it. Love it. Okay, yeah. very good. So let's just start. And Matt, can you just give us a definition of a biblical Christ identity? How would you define it? Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for that intro. That's it's very kind of you to say, we do love our kids. I love my wife. We are trying to follow Jesus to the best of our ability. As far as a, a Christ identity, and you just even using that phrase, what it means is that we're actually finding our identity or receiving our identity from what God has done according to the finished work of Christ. So what did God accomplish in Jesus and how does that impact me? Then I start to build my identity around what God has said to be true about me in Christ. Uh, mm -hmm. alternative would be that I built my identity around a self-generated or an internally generated set of ideas or concepts. Uh, and a lot of people are working to do that. And there is that sense of self that, uh, the world is actively trying to build up. 
And as followers of Jesus, one of our core projects is to, to actually abandon that way of thinking and to instead choose to say, I'm going to let God, the ultimate authority of the universe, define who I am through what he's accomplished in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's wonderful. I love it. And where would that come from? How do we incorporate that identity? Is it something we can do? Or yeah. where does that come from? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, it, it ultimately comes from what God has said about us because of Jesus. So if you think of some of the things that are true because of what Jesus has accomplished, uh, we're called holy and blameless. If you read through the New Testament, you'll see it a few different times uh, that we're called holy and blameless. And for most all mm. of Jesus, they look at that and they just say, okay, I hear you, Bible, but I don't feel holy and blameless because I sinned yesterday. I sinned this morning. I sinned 10 minutes ago. And mm-hmm. if you think about holiness, either you have to diminish what that word holiness means and blamelessness means to call me that, or it just isn't true. And so our experience is oftentimes, uh, most people might be holy and blameless, but I most certainly am not. God's not actually saying that about us in terms of our, um, our lived experience. There's a reality that we're being transformed. We're becoming holy and blameless. But the point of why the New Testament says that so definitively is that the way that God sees us is that he actually sees Christ in his work, his perfection, his sinlessness, and that has been applied to us. And that's part of the gospel message is what Martin Luther calls the great exchange. Mm. He who no sin became sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. So Jesus took on my sin. The other side of that is I took on Jesus's righteousness. So in the economy of sin and holiness, God looks at me as holy, sinless, blameless, because he sees Christ set on me. So that's that Christ's identity. I have the identity of Christ. Mm -hmm. So believing that is one of those difficult things where it's just like, okay, it doesn't match my experience, but this is what God has said is true about me is that when he looks at me, he actually sees Jesus's accomplishments and he's giving me credit for what Jesus accomplished. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. (laughs) I mean, it's a life-changing reality and it it can literally change your worldview if you Mm -hmm. believe the things that the scriptures say. Yeah, but then then what do we do when we slip back into it? What do we do when one day we have this knowledge of, of who we are in Christ and then maybe half a day later and we yell at our kids or you know something yeah. and suddenly it's like, that's not me. What do we do? How do we deal with that? I mean, I'll, I'll say this is probably where the spiritual disciplines come in is because they are designed to help us remember. And that's, you read through the Old Testament and... They would do certain things to help them remember. They would set up festivals and and holidays. So many of the holidays are to help us remember. They would sing songs. Those are designed to help us remember. So many of the rhythms of uh, Passover and different elements of Old Testament life were designed to help us remember. Spiritual disciplines for the Christian are designed to help you remember, to help you engage the Holy Spirit, to help you walk through each and every day, seeking the the Lord and, and walking with Him as as that guidepost. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's not one and done. So as an example, um, having an identity that's centered on Jesus Christ can be something that you take on. And maybe you're really good at remembering that for a season, but 
life starts to pile up, things start to happen, circumstances, doubts, and shortly, you like, I mean, you mentioned even half a day, uh, maybe it's a couple of weeks, maybe it's a couple of months. Maybe you found that as the years have gone on, it's just sort of uh, dwindled in terms of how centered you are as, as somebody that believes the things that God has said about you. Well, the discipline of remembering is very important. So a mentor of mine, a uh, man named Terry Fouché, took on actually one of Dallas's Willard personal practices. Dallas wouldn't always tell everybody to do this thing that I do, but he just told people, this is what I do. And Terry thought, that seems like a good idea. I'm going to do that too. Mm -hmm. Every morning he would wake up and before he would even roll his feet out of bed, he would say Psalm 23. And so just the speaking over his own day, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in cream pastures. Just that practice of, okay, it takes me 12 seconds to go through the entire Psalm 23, and then I'm off and running. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those ideas of how, what are the things that I can do each day that remind me of my identity centered on Jesus, who he is and what he's accomplished, and that I live in the grace or the benefit or the blessing of the finished work of Jesus today. And I'm going to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the, by the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, I'm going to seek to live that out with my kids, with my spouse, in my workplace. I'm going to try and live that out today by God's power. Mm, that is so great. Yeah. At the end of day, looking back on it and saying, Lord, where did I, where did I thrive in you and confess and repent for the areas that, that I fell short? Mm -hmm. That's so great. And that strikes me also that we don't have to look at all those things that God leads us to do as legalistic. It's it's for our benefit. So often Paul will say, by the grace of God, and it can become a cliche or a phrase that you just throw out, oh, by God's grace, this happened or something along mm -hmm. those lines. But what he's actually talking about is according to the grace of God that's now bestowed on you, these things are taking shape. It's like we live in this new context of I am standing in the grace of God. That is my salvation. That's my sanctification. It's my hope. It's my future. And, and, and so by the grace of God is one of those phrases that's really important for us to understand. I live by the grace of God. I succeed mm -hmm. by the grace of God. I fail by the grace of God. I thrive by the grace of God. I, I live in that context. So Oh, that is so good. I love it. Okay, so we have this identity in Christ and we're walking through life. What gifts does God shower on us? You mentioned grace and that is huge gift. The gift of grace is huge. Yeah. Are there some other things that you can think of? Most definitely. The first one that comes to mind is Colossians 3.15, or it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called. And I, I think about the idea of peace. It's pretty elusive for a lot of people in our modern era. Again, we're trying to find it through yoga. They're trying to find it through, uh, I don't know if you saw the ad for the uh, Apple Vision. You know, People are trying <laughs> to find the technology. Like, how can I somehow use tech to make myself peaceful and breathe better and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But the gift of a Christ identity is that I'm not striving to prove myself. God has accomplished something in Jesus and spoken some things over me that, that if I live by those truths, if I acknowledge that those things are true, what settles on my life is the peace of Christ and it rules my heart. It now dictates how I think about my own identity. 
Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to make myself a person that I'm not. I'm actually believing God, the authority of the universe, the single voice that has more authority than any other voice in all of history has spoken over me. And when I believe that, I can, I can say, okay, I am who I am by the grace of God. He has said these things about me and his voice matters more than the one in my head. And I can rest in what he has said about me, even if I don't feel it. My feelings are not the ultimate authority. If somebody else has spoken some pretty toxic or broken things over me, I don't have to let those things be my identity because actually God's voice is more authoritative and more true even than their voice. He has more knowledge and more basis for the things that he's saying. And he said an entirely different set of things. Those are the things that I'm going to hold on to. And those things determine, does my heart have peace or is my heart in turmoil? Mm -hmm. And actually for parents who... I think live in a state of fear, live in a state of, uh, of worry, trying to perfect child rearing and mm -hmm. do everything that we can do to raise great kids. There is an element of peace that is, you can do what you can do by the grace of God. And there's a limit. There's a, there's a point where kids are going to make choices where they're going to go the road that they're going to go on and they have to choose to follow Jesus on their own. You can't save your kids. There's actually peace that comes with knowing that I can't save my kids. Jesus right. can. I can pray for them. I can show them the way of Jesus. I can demonstrate the power of the gospel. I can shower them with God's grace as I've been showered with God's grace, but I can't save them. There's actually a peace that starts to settle into our hearts while we realize that we're not the savior of our family. And that, again, that's a Christ identity is, well, the savior of this family, Jesus is, and I need him just as much as you do. Mm -hmm. So I think there's great elements. The stress with which we parent can be released into the hands of God when we realize that his voice matters more than ours does and his identity uh, is more authoritative and true than anything we generate on our own. I think mm -hmm. I would consider that a gift. Yeah, that's a huge gift. And I think there's a lot of parents out there that struggle with that very issue. And I'm so thankful that you brought that up. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. I think the other gift that came to my mind is just, uh, this is from Romans 12, the idea of being a blessing. I think it's verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And it's just this picture of the world's going to hit us in a certain way. It's going to come after us. It's going to work to tear us down. Martin Luther's three enemies of the Christian life, the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's lots of resistance. And if we're just trying to be good people in the face of bad things, we're going to run out of gas real fast. Mm. But to be a blessing, that comes from a Christ identity. That comes from believing who I am because of what God has done in Jesus and what he's declared to be true of me. And as he pours his love into my heart by the Holy Spirit, that's Romans 5, 5, I am then able to truly be a blessing because it's out of the overflow of what God has poured into me. And that blessing it's not selfishly motivated. It doesn't run out. It actually comes from God himself. And so the blessing that I am to the world, regardless of how they're treating me, is that I get to give them God's view of them, God's heart for them, God's love for them, God's grace for them, even if they're lashing out in a pretty um, difficult or offensive or hurtful way mm -hmm. I, to respond differently than what nature would respond. Uh, and that's important as a, as a parent, because again, parents, sometimes we take on this sort of martyr complex where we just, we serve because there are kids and we're supposed to serve, but, you know, and, and we can do these things. But what happens is in the back of our minds, we start to expect reciprocation. 
if I do all the laundry and I do all the dishes and I do all the cooking and I do all the work or I provide for my kids or I work hard all day, then I expect that they will be respectful. I expect that they will be obedient. I expect that they will be in line and, and good students and all of that. And it feels like every movie, every parenting scene that you've ever seen is some parent saying, I did all this for you and I expect this in return. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens is when we, when we understand our Christ identity, we're not in need of their reciprocation to validate our effort. Our effort comes from who God has said we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. We now exist to be a blessing to the next generation, okay, to show them Jesus, uh, to create a culture in our household that kids can thrive in. Uh, to to truly bless this next generation by giving them vision for the nations, art for the gospel, a love for people. We're creating this space for them to to operate in, but it's not from the space of, and if you don't, you know, I I don't know what I have left to give. It's actually like, well, as God has poured out his grace on me, I'm now, I'm now getting to pour out this grace on you. God's grace for me hasn't ended. Therefore, as this flows through me, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Just to be super clear, that doesn't mean that we give our kids everything. That, that That's not financial. You know, it's, I'm not talking about uh, providing everything for our kids. I'm just talking about the posture with which we we parent our kids. Mm-hmm. Blessing them comes from this place of, as God has blessed me, I get to lavish them with the, the household of grace. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense, but that's, yeah. It totally does to me. Yeah. That was really good. Thank you, Matt. My pleasure. That concludes part one of Matt's series on Christ identity. Wow, wasn't it good? And we're only a third of the way through. Next week, we're going to continue with Matt, and he is going to talk about Christ identity and some of the practical aspects. And you don't want to miss it, so be sure to subscribe if you haven't already to Adventure Parenting with Grace. So thanks for listening, and do remember that you are a child of God if you trust Jesus, and to rest in that this week. Mm